you know, ultimately the analysis of how this government handled the pandemic or that government did or who failed or who did a nice job, uh, it's going to go on for years and years and years and years and years. But now that we're almost, you know, think about it, we're almost two years into this nonsense now, right? We started hearing about this in uh, December out of China and, you know, by early 2021, it had made its way into other parts of the world and we all know what happened after that, or 2020, sorry. Um, and we all know where we are now. So we're certainly at a point where we can start to take a look at the way different um, governments around the world have handled things here. And, um, you know, if you'd sort of break them into the broad categories of governments, you know, liberal, social democratic, conservative, all these things, is there any trends? Is there anything we can pick out? We're going to have a discussion about that now with uh, Reluca Bejan, who is an assistant professor of social work at Dalhousie University. Professor, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Uh, okay, before we get into this, we're going to use some terms here that might get some people a little bit uh, freaked out in terms of, you know, their partisan biases getting stoked here. We're talking about welfare states. We're talking about social democracy. We're talking about liberals and conservatives, but not in terms of party, right? Can we just walk through the defining when we say welfare state and then break, break it down on the system of government? Yeah, so I think I think the main difference is that we're not talking about electoral politics. So you can have, let's say, a social democratic welfare regime with um, a conservative political party in power. What we are talking about when we talk about welfare state is actually the regime uh, in which the state tries to decommodify the individual from the market. Um, so if I was to give an example, you know, as... Um, uh, you know, as, as people on the labor market, we are more or less commodities. We are selling our labor in the labor market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to this, we are getting to a sort of first uh, distribution of resources, right, that that uh, the market actually does. And what the job of the state is to try to actually limit the negative effects of this primary distribution through a sort of secondary redistribution. And this intervention of the state, so what, what, what the state does is a process of decommodification um, and also a process of stratification because the sort of state intervention will also actually stratify. And when we, when we talk actually about the welfare state regimes, we are talking about how much the state gets involved in decommodifying decommodification decommodifying, sorry, people from the labor market. So, we're, yeah, and, and all kinds of things go into that. We're talking about, you know, what do they do with taxes? They get social programs, safety nets, you know, all those sorts of things, right? And sort of how the society is built by the government system. Exactly. And if we have, you know, do we have a, a more equal society or we don't have a more equal society? So we are also talking about, let's say, levels of um, of benefits, you know, the benefits being conditions on, uh, you know, formal participation in the labor market or or not. So let's say, you know, employment insurance, this, this is conditioned on a social insurance uh, principle. So you pay into the employment insurance and then when you are out of work, you are able to utilize that program. Mm-hmm. So that's a characteristic for instance, that's very specific to um, uh, to sort of corporatist states, right. how, how the social policy analysts would say. Um, but then let's say um, a benefit that will be very characteristic to social democracy will be, you know, the old age pensions. So it's sort of universal and everyone wants they get to a certain age, they will be able to sort of uh, tap into that yeah. benefit. So because, because the society sort of has this, 
you know, very complex systems of, you know, benefits and redistribution that also, you know, end up stratifying society. We're talking about cer- certain welfare regimes. Okay, when we take a look, where does Canada fit in on that spectrum? Are we, I mean, we're, we're a social democratic society, most certainly, but I know there's others that are more so down that road. So where does Canada fit in on the spectrum? Um, so traditionally, from a social policy uh, analysis perspective, Canada fits within the liberal um, state topology. So um, it's not, uh, I mean, we have some social democratic uh, programs, mm-hmm. and I think they're particularly reminiscent from, you know, when Canada used to have a strong welfare state up until the, up until the 1970s. Um, but we are more, um, you know, generally all the Anglo-Saxon democracies are sort of liberal democracies okay. uh, from a welfare state regime. So we, um, basically, the, the, the way it goes is, you know, we, we care for the people um, in the market, but we sort of tend to allocate this care based on who we think is deserving, uh, which, in contrast, the, um, uh, the Nordic country, for example, the social de- democratic welfare regimes, they tend to sort of condition this on universality, right. not okay. so much on, you know, who, who is a deserving subject. Gotcha. Now, when you're comparing how these different um, social structures handled the pandemic. What are you comparing? Is it the, the typical case rates, deaths, hospitalizations, things like that? Yes. So basically, we're compar- so we're looking first the number of cases and then the number of deaths. And then we're also doing some regression analysis. And then we're also looking at, you know, who, what are the significant predictors of this? So um, it's interesting because, you know, at the end of the first wave, when we have initially done the data, we didn't find any differences between corporate states, social democratic states, and sort of liberal states. Hmm. Uh, and now, at, at the third, we only found differences within the liberal states. So, for instance, we found that Canada uh, was very much better than um, uh, the UK, the Ireland, obviously the US, but yeah. it wasn't as good as Australia and New Zealand. And, of course, we have, we have uh, several hypotheses as to, as to why is that. But right now, when we're comparing the data at the end of the... Uh, so also by including the second and the third wave, we're actually seeing that um, a significant predictor is actually uh, are the conservative states. So that means that they basically had the worst outcomes, more than the liberal states and more, more than the social democratic states. And we also found the, the predictor of um, the number of hospital beds. So each additional hospital bed per 10,000 people was associated with a drop by 63 cases. Um, another thing that we find we found barely significant, it was the, um, the percentage of GDP spent on health. Yeah. Uh, so basically what we find that sort of the more the GDP spent on health, the higher the cases. So it's, this is a very unusual sort of finding. But I think what's happening here is that these numbers are skewed by the U.S., uh, U.S. is probably the country that spends the most on health, but it still doesn't have sort of universal coverage. And I think also, you know, in, in terms of welfare regime um, theory, it's very important to, to know that, you know, the amount of exp- expenditure is not so important because what's actually important is sort of, um, the you know, the content of the, the, and the content of the benefits. Right. Yeah, right? exactly. So you can, you can spend so much, but yes. Yeah, I mean, it's still mind-boggling to me that the U.S. spends more on healthcare than any other country on the planet, and yet we know there's all kinds of issues with their healthcare system. Um, so it really, mm-hmm. it's 
but now things have changed. Like you say, as we've gone along, things have changed. And you take a look at Australia and New Zealand now, and a lot of people are really critical of what they've done. They went too far. Um, so when you take a look at the metrics of cases and hospitalizations and deaths, yes, Australia might look very good, but I know people in Australia who are furious with the way things have gone there, and they went way too far. So there's more than, I mean, there's so many different ways to break this down, correct? Yes, and this, this is just one approach, right? So, uh, yeah. so initially we sort of started, we were just curious, and we thought, you know, probably we just started sort of with this assumption saying that, you know, probably the states who are investing, the, uh, the countries that have strong states mm-hmm. probably manage the pandemic better. So that's why we, we sort of thought. And then, as I said, initially, you know, this wasn't significant. But I think that once, once things are concluding, then once we will be able to finalize the analysis with, uh, with the final numbers, I think we're actually going to end up seeing this, that the states that the countries that have, you know, strong states, the countries that, are, that have been, you know, investing for years in um, the healthcare system, the countries that have, you know, um, several um, hospital beds more and et cetera, will probably fare, uh, fare better. And I think even if we look in terms of, you know, COVID has been branded as an occupational disease, uh, people are, are actually getting COVID at work, right? So that's, it's a disease of basically the essential um, essential worker. And I think, you know, when, when the benefits um, uh, systems are coming into play is, let's say, even, you know, uh, sick leave is, is your province yeah, or my yeah. province or et cetera, allowing uh, uh, paid sick days, right? That's also, that's also a welfare benefit, uh, that that could actually impact the the number of cases or the number of deaths. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Raluca, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Um, so, th- so there you go. I mean, the criticism I- is being applied to every single government and the way that they've handled this. Nobody's going to come out of this saying, "Hey, you did." A- you did a perfect job here, right across the board, and that's I think what happens when you end up in an extraordinary circumstance that nobody's dealt with before, and you're trying to figure it out. And there's a million different considerations, and we were talking about that earlier um, in terms of you know who should be making these decisions. And the caller saying that you know what I think we need to have a committee in charge, and I I don't think they should be in charge. I think they should be heavily involved. And a lot of listeners agreeing, saying yeah, you know what, ultimately. That's that's the elected leader's job. That's who's supposed to be doing this. Um, and I agree. I agree totally. 